0: Welcome to Sports, 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 the net new of sports and culture. Oh, come (laughs) on. Independent, remote quarantine locations. With me tonight, my co-host, the exclamation point, the passionate one, Reed. Good evening. And the question mark, the man who cares nothing about sports but loves growing beards, Rowdy. (laughs) Hey. And in the middle of the period, my name is Snoop Gentleman, episode 139. How are we tonight? Nothing, Rowdy, nothing?
1: <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Not, what's, what's changed? What's Roddy changed? Shut
0: down. Beard's changed. It's really filling in. It's it is. filling it's look, in. It's looking great. Can I make a suggestion? Yeah. I'll oh, tell we you go. what. I'm just going to make a suggestion. I think you're doing something there. It's happening. I love it. <laughs> I think you need to start accentuating the uh, moustache that you've got. All right, what like waxing the waxing like wax, the tips? Waxing it up because you seem to have like a there's not a full connection. There's a dead happening. zone. There
2: is a dead zone. It's coming yeah. though. It's better than it was.
0: Yeah, make your weaknesses your strengths. Okay. Turn, turn that. Yeah, there you go. Start. Oh, I
2: can hear the hair like twisting. Oh, whoa, <laughs> man. I'll, I'll take that into consideration. What, that's from V for Vendetta action right there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. What's that thing That's, called? That mask? Guy Fox. Guy Fox. Yeah. You have, you have a definite Guy Fox look if you do.
1: Yeah. Fox. This Guy Fox. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does.
0: <laughs> Rowdy, you sent you sent a real gem. I actually want to read it on. Uh, I want to read it on the air. <laughs> because I'm like, I'm like, this is going in the Twitter Hall of Fame. No, I, this needs to happen. It's almost like Jose Canseco tweeted it. Yeah, this is by – he's a writer for Baseball Prospectus. Uh, he said
2: – Now, let's put this in context. This is about the designated hitter uh, rule change.
0: Yes, yeah. and I think it was more just a general take on baseball. Well, true. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a general take on baseball, and yeah, but, but – so if baseball is opening back up, right now conversation is that there will be a DH – in both leagues for the first time ever uh which yeah don't miss me with that uh, <laughs> is that what you say rowdy is that what the kids say don't yeah. miss me or hit me with uh that? Y-
1: miss if, me with that yeah if you don't want something you can say yeah miss me with that but so what if i do want it
0: do i say don't miss me oh you gotta hit you
1: you get hit with that hit
2: yeah
0: me with that? yeah yeah hit me one time like james brown
2: yes yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Your times bump bump, yeah. yeah. Living in America, so he writes, You cannot profess to be a true lover of beefy boys, sock and dongers if you are anti universal DH. It is one or the other, and I stand with moonshots and the thick lads. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, uh, yeah, so good. And it's so true, wiser words have never been spoken. It's all think- about hitting dingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that uh, encapsulates a lot of what happens on this podcast.
1: Well, and it gets back to what I've been pushing for since one some of our first episodes is it's really dumb that there's two sets of <laughs> rules in baseball. Don't call it Major League Baseball. It's Major Leagues Baseball.
0: Correct. Up until 1994.
1: Right. So, but we still, but we still, but we still I treat it. I almost we, we got a there. Right. Yeah. But we, but we still, but we still treat it. We still treat it that way, right? We still have, we still though it's two sets of rules.
0: Yes. Just on that. Yes. There's. That's stupid. stupid.
1: Yeah. So just the way to get of the world, of, Rowdy. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Let's let's streamline this. Universe was rowdy over here. Yeah. Single I set agree. of rules. Twelve games a season. That's all I want in baseball. Uh, do I could maybe get behind that you might have that this
0: year less games than an nfl season wow we got into the sports early well thanks for joining us everybody uh i guess we should probably kick this thing off like we normally do
1: yeah speaking of kickoff uh you want to talk about the new monday night football wait how about some sports oh yeah how about it hey how about this new (laughs) new monday night football
0: yeah monday night football uh is changing up the booth this year uh booger is out Booger is out, yes. And he's, in uh, a clean,
2: he's wrapped up in a Kleenex and thrown in the waste paper basket. There a couple things.
0: First off, there are no nothing. Okay. <laughs> oh, Booger. No, I get it now. It takes me a minute. See, this is why I have to go back to school. I don't get the jokes. Yeah. Uh they got who was it this year that they just got rid of? They just got a new announcer, and he's out too. Tessator. Joe Tessator. Yeah, Joe Testor and Booger McFarland out. Have not said who's going to be in for this year. There is um there we're hearing We're hearing. I'm hearing. People are telling me Dan Orloski has uh, is plus two twenty five on the odds right now to get the job. Pat mm-hmm. McAfee is you get you can get that at plus three hundred. Nah, Steve's not gonna get it. Kurt Werner, plus five fifty. Who do you think it's who do you think has the longest shot of being the new ESPN announcer? Of, of all the just- names
2: I've heard, I think the longest shot is either McAfee, just because I like McAfee. He, I think he's funny, but I think that's why he's the longest shot is they want somebody that's a little more serious.
0: Well, I know that uh Adam Amin just went to Fox and that, that would have been a good one. He, although he only does usually the Thursday night games and the and the uh women's basketball, he does those. Also on this list, this was fun to me. You can get plus two thousand, so what is that, two hundred to one on Philip Rivers being <laughs> being the new boyfriend. I love <Football>. it. <laughs> I love it. Which is right there with Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit and uh Rowdy's favorite, John Madden. Oh, yeah. You can also get plus 2000 on Bring him. Bring Madden back. Why not? Uh, Yeah. Adam Amin is actually 1200 but I don't even think he's at ESPN anymore. Dave Pash, Bill Walton's best bud. Dave Pash is 1200 Ooh, What if Bill Walton did football? That would be great.
2: Oh, yeah. That now would... we're on to something. We wouldn't even need a play-by-play
0: guy. Just let Bill go. Now, Rowdy, do you remember this? When he... Last summer called a Chicago White Sox game? Yeah. Do you remember us reporting? Yes,
1: I think so, yeah.
0: Yeah, that was wild. I'm here for that. Hit me with that. Yeah. I think I'm doing this right. (laughs) Uh, So, Reed, do you have any fond memories of Booger and the Boogermobile or Joe Tassator? How do you feel about this?
2: I thought Joe did a pretty good job um i i he had he's got a good voice i liked his play by play um i thought he and booger were better just as a tandem without witten i thought jason witten was terrible two years ago and then when they when they got rid of the booger mobile and put booger in the booth i thought it was Mm -hmm. a much better product but at the same time i think i'm kind of on the perimeter of these things because uh, all the commentary I've heard this week, talk about how Al Michaels and uh, Chris Collinsworth are uh, the best, one of the best uh, broadcasting tandems ever. And I could not disagree
0: more. Yeah. Have you heard that? Are people saying that people are telling it. you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I Collinsworth I'm, is terrible. Yeah. He's, he doesn't, he doesn't provide anything. No. Um,
2: now, well, I say bring back Dennis Miller and Tony Kornheiser. Put them both go. in there. There you go. Uh, and, and give no
0: play-by-play <laughs> And guys no just,
2: play-by-play. Use just two jokes paranoia.
0: Yeah. Uh, apparently, ESPN, before this all happened, offered uh, Peyton Manning $18 million a year to That's come annoying. over after, the, uh, after CBS locked up Tony Romo for, for, I think it was 16 or $18 million bucks. He's the best one on TV, I think, right now. I mean, other than
2: other, the best color commentator,
0: mm-hmm. for sure. I like no, Al he's Michaels. Just, he's he's, he's a, a future seer. He can see the future. Yeah. He,
2: diagnosing plays, he's great. But the best are, uh, I, I always liked uh, Brett Musburger. Mm. Um, I, but my absolute... My absolute favorite is
0: Gary Danielson. Oh, yeah. He's great. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule from last year. I'm not going to put this all on test and bugger. They had some real stinkers. Yeah. Browns-Jets, 23-3. 49ers-Browns, 31-3. Oh, man, Browns. Yeah. I mean, how do you get
2: Cleveland on Monday night twice in a season?
0: Yeah. There was one one three-point game the entire season two three-point games the entire season that yeah. they called. It's not three. I, I just found one more, Hayden, in week one. There was two that week. Uh,
2: well, it's going to be so interesting. I don't,
0: I don't know. I don't, have a, I don't have a favorite right now. I've heard Steve Levy. I think you mentioned that. Yeah. He's already called big games for ESPN. He's already at the mothership. Uh, Reese
2: Davis, I have not heard his name.
0: Uh, Leave Reese on Saturdays
2: and uh, Wimpleton Reese's Reese's best sports tennis
0: Rowdy who you want to hear
1: I won't be watching anyway so (laughs) I'm gonna leave I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that up to people who care who you know, would it you take for
2: you to watch though? Like if you, if you could have anybody, they don't have to be a professional commentator or even in oh, the sports world. Tim yeah. and Eric. Who would you uh, watch Monday night football if they were commentating? Bill Murray. Oh yeah. Can yeah? you imagine
1: how great he would be?
0: Yeah. yeah. What about Tim and Eric? Uh,
1: <laughs> too much, too far, too much. I like them in small doses. Um, what? So three and, but, and a half hour football game. Right, that's too much. too much. Also, I think we should shorten football games anyway. Yeah. To um, what? From sixty minutes to what? How long are most movies? An hour and a half. Let's 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 shoot for that. But how long? How, how long is this? How long is this podcast usually? Like three hours. <laughs> three hours is for podcasts. An hour and a half is for visual entertainment. Oh, you're talking uh, real time, not game time.
2: Yeah, no. I, got, I got confused because football games are only sixty minutes.
1: Oh. Yeah. Oh, are you saying? But you're talking playing. about air time. Wait, a football game only lasts sixty minutes?
0: No, 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 no. A football game, uh, the playing time is only sixty. Like, yeah. Uh, oh, uh,
1: but the whole time the game takes those. How long? Uh, uh, oh, well, pro yeah. two and a half, three hours. Yeah, see. College no, could be four much. hours. Gee, miss, miss you yeah, that? miss me with that. Yeah, <laughs> miss
2: me with that. Come on. I think we've actually talked about this before, how foot technically football is the slowest professional sport. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: oh yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. What I like that's happened over the past nigh on three years is that we have gone from Rowdy's only opinion about sports being no thank you. To, or the blue team. <laughs> with a blue team to much more nuanced. He it thinks is. That baseball should only have one set of rules. It learns. Football can exist, but needs to be shorter.
1: Yeah. Or treat treat. Uh, it, let's say we make you say a football game technically should last sixty minutes. Okay.
0: I don't know. Let's. let's I don't think I said it like that. But yeah. Let's
1: let's treat it like watching a movie on Hulu. That is ad supported. You watch maybe two commercials at the beginning. Let's say three. We can watch three commercials before the football game starts. And then you watch the whole football game, no stops, no commercial breaks. And then, you know, put logos up inside the stadium, do whatever you want, you know, pay for timeouts. Huh? What about timeouts? We'd, we'd have less. Of, we'd have less of those. Just keep it going. <laughs> we just keep it going.
0: Have you considered soccer?
2: Yeah, that's your sport, Rowdy. Nine uh, minutes of constant action.
1: I think soccer. What, what, what is uh, what, what is the uh, is it agoraphobia where you're afraid of large spaces? Oh, outside public spaces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah soccer. Dude, soccer fields are too big. Oh. <laughs> When yeah, I say they make you nervous, I, I, yeah, I can't enjoy soccer because I see these guys running around in this just massive field of grass, and I think I wouldn't want to be doing that. It's a pitch.
0: But aren't you also? Aren't you? Aren't you also the person who keeps advocating for us to get really into cricket? Yeah, cricket field.
2: No, That's I'm the, not the saying.
1: Feels- I'm not saying we should get really into cricket. I'm just saying we should try to take our best guess without reading the Wikipedia. Too late. Uh, to figure it out, you can
2: miss me with that cricket.
1: All right, <laughs> I want to. I want to tr- try to figure. Out, I want to try to figure out how cricket works. Yeah, go for it. With no with no one helping me, I but just want to watch it and see if I can figure it out. But you should get into yeah.
2: soccer because it's the first professional stor- uh, sport starting back up, and like within the month, Bundesliga is starting up in Germany.
0: Mm. Hmm. There you go.
1: Well, if they made the field smaller. It's the, great a
2: shot. it's the great experiment.
1: Leave it to the Germans, right? Well, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see. I mean, uh, the the Germans' favorite video game is also farming simulator. So, um, <laughs> uh, so on. They're practical uh, people. Yeah.
0: Well, have you ever have you ever gotten deep into farming YouTube?
2: Uh, no. Like there are YouTube no, videos on farming.
0: Yeah, there's a lot. There's a oh, lot I'm lot sure. Of there's a lot of farming uh YouTube influencers. Get in there. Right. Really? Them.
1: Yeah. Are they right are there. they doing like the you know what ticks me off kind of things like but from their combines or what? No, you know no. what really chaps me it's, it's when like the air conditioning that. goes out on the combine.
0: Yeah. It's like a Casey Neistat thing. It's like a daily vlog, but they're just farmers.
1: Like here's how things are growing?
0: Yeah. And I watched
1: that. Yeah. I watched that.
0: It's mostly younger farmers. Is there yeah. a lot
2: of time lapse?
0: Yeah, a lot of a lot of hot cuts, a lot of mm-hmm. time lapse,
2: mm-hmm. drone footage.
0: Uh huh. A lot of drone flyovers. Yeah, a lot of nice sunsets and sunrises. I do love YouTube.
2: It is. It, I, I thought to myself today, YouTube is the best thing that's happened
0: in the last twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yeah. What were you watching that I've
2: you been really watching a lot watched. of. Uh, People uh, that, people that um, re, are uh, trick out or rehab old RVs to live in full time.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, the van lifers.
2: Yeah, well, but these are more like our. These are like uh, motor homes, mm. bigger than vans, like twenty four footers, thirty footers. What
0: class are we in? C's, B's, A's?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Most of them are C's or B's.
0: Yeah. C's
2: okay. are the overhead cab, uh, bed over the cab. Mm-hmm. Like a Tayoga or something like that. Like a van front.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Like you usually C- run in a, like an F450 on that thing. Yeah, C-class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I get real judgy because some people, like this one woman last night had a four-burner cooktop in a 1978 motorhome. And I was like, why do you need four burners? You live in a motorhome by yourself. What are you, Canning?
0: <laughs> she might be. I mean, maybe. <laughs> they prepping.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, All
0: right. What else we got here, Rowdy? Come on. Keep us back Okay. Up.
1: All right. Let's get back on track, guys. Uh, hey, I don't want to get us back on track. Uh, let's roll tide. Um, let's so do it. On Instagram, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin posted a photo of himself wearing a uh, Alabama uh, crimson Tide mask uh, he, he, his, his text said running errands on the mean streets of LA a friend of mine made me this custom Alabama football mask the mask is cool but she made it a little too small so it cuts off the circulation of my ears my ears are actually Crimson since she is a Clemson football fan I figure she ribbed me on purpose hashtag stay safe hashtag roll, t- roll tide hashtag Ford Focus
0: okay um, at
1: the end. what's that? What happened there at the end? Ford Hashtag Focus? Ford Focus, because he's driving a Ford Focus. Oh, okay. Don't call Steve Austin drives a Ford Focus? He sure does. Um, wow. Yeah, and then he, uh, somebody commented, uh, the mask goes against your reputation. Stay strong, be a rebel, and do not conform. Cool mask, but strip off the communism. And he just replied, <laughs> shut up, dude. <laughs> I, uh... Off the- uh
2: I saw a picture of some Bengals, Cincinnati Bengals mask the other day, and I sent them to a friend of the pod, Nate, uh, from the radio Cure, And uh, I just, I just said, I'm not sure if these are to display your fandom or to hide your shame.
0: <laughs> Couldn't be both.
1: Yeah. You guys been seeing all the people who uh, just ha- they have a mask on, but it's just literally just like covering their chin.
2: Yeah. I don't know. The part about all this is just realizing how clueless everyone really is. Oh, yeah. But not Stone Cold. No, he's no. rolling tide. Got it on the
0: right. So, what's with the communism?
2: Uh, because, because you because... believe in coronavirus, and if you believe in freedom, then you can't get the virus. Yeah, wake up,
1: sheeple. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would die for the. I would die for Uncle Herschel's <laughs> breakfast at Cracker Barrel. The, and, yeah. and, and and I would and I would die for your right to eat Uncle Herschel's or Mama's pancake breakfast yeah. at Cracker Barrel.
2: And yes, and that's, and I that's the cinnamon apples and the grits. Yeah. Thank that's you very much. That's just what I believe.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not
0: hurting anybody. My yeah. body, my choice.
2: Because. One person's beliefs don't affect anybody else, guys. It's my belief.
1: Yeah, that's America. That's, that's yeah. rugged individualism. Right. I think that's why it's it it's called communism because you are thinking about other people besides yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of people just construe that as communism or socialism or whatever but um yeah it's yeah yeah it's oh yeah caring about other other people yeah. that's looking uh, out yeah. for looking out for everyone else huh mm-hmm. all right so next up um blake snell says half pay ain't worth it i have no idea what this blake means blake snell
2: ain't worth it okay who's, okay who's blake snell for uh-huh. people who Form might of not know young winning pitcher okay
0: not, uh yes well Reed's got some feelings, and they're tied up in... It's Roto Roto rage. rage. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Roto hates real hate. It is
2: real hate. There's no pain like Roto pain. All right, Right. let's hear it.
0: Well, he says, so right now, uh, the owners and players are talking about a reduced salary for a reduced season for Major League Baseball. Uh, and Blake Snell has said, has started to uh, be the voice of a growing opposition to say, hey, look, we're not doing this 50 50 revenue split, which is really just an end around to a, a salary cap, which we fought successfully against for nigh on 160 years. So you're not going to do that to us. But then he comes out and he says, y'all got to understand, man, for me to go, for me to take a pay cut is not happening because the risk is through the roof. It's a shorter season. It's less pay. I got to get my money. I'm not that's playing great. unless I get mine, and yeah. that's just the way it is for me. Like, mm. I'm sorry you guys think differently, but the risk is way the hell higher, and the amount of money I'm making is way lower. Why would I think about doing that?
1: Well, he's also been streaming on Twitch, so he might be bringing in some money. Actually, he's he's literally, as we speak, he's live right now on Twitch. Is he really? Yeah, he's streaming himself playing um, MLB the show. Uh, I don't know how to twitch, but can we get in on that? Yeah, I'll send you guys a link. Okay. So
2: what I'm hearing is Blake Snell said, "Miss me with that,
1: miss yeah. me with, it.
0: yeah." And he's and you know I would say pro labor guy over here. He's right. He's making he's. Oh yeah, out. I agree. He's especially a with five.
2: the condensed training, off season, all that. Like no, especially a yeah. pitcher.
0: Yeah, he signed a mediocre one, and but. Oh, you can miss me with that right there. <laughs> uh, he signed a five-year, fifty-million-dollar deal. I think it was was it last year or two years. I think it was last. Year. And he's set to make a, like seven million dollars this year, so he would be looking at like maybe a half, maybe a third of that. Now I don't know how exactly how his contract's are structured, but he he's right. Like pitchers- maybe five and a third
2: of that, because that's all he
0: pitches. Oh yeah, see that's why you don't like him. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can be dominant over five, and that's okay. That's the it's the way of the future. It's the way no of the future. quality gotta start though, got to get no. that QS. Yeah, QS is just going to be the new win loss record. Once 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 they start trodding out uh, openers. openers, QS is going the way of the buffalo, my friend. Yeah. Uh, so if he makes you know a third of that. Yeah, it's still a lot of money, but guys in his position, Cy Young winners, making twenty five, thirty five million dollars a year. Well, probably not thirty five, twenty five million dollars a year. Yeah, he's right. Why would I blow out my arm in a reduced season when I already had, I already have injury risk, and I already missed part of the season last year? What was it with a toe? No, uh, he
2: had a, some kind of floating something in his elbow.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. He's. I. I gotta say, I'm right with. Uh, I'm right with this. 82 games, he'd make 3.54 million on a prorated salary. It's, it's. not enough. He's 27 years old. He's looking at another big payday at, at age 30. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. I agree. Yep. But what do. Give, my... But do give me those beefy boys. So wow. um, Sick lads. I'm all about it. <laughs> Class.
1: <laughs> yeah. Heck well, if, if you want to support him uh, in in his income stream, you can check him out at Classically Famous on Twitch. It's no thanks. It's Classic, L Y Famous, all one word, and you can watch him ding some dongers in. You can listen that. Uh,
0: the other thing to think about, like you know, we always you play these hypotheticals all the time. Like, how much would it take for you to X, Y, or Z. So he kind of put the number on there. What, algebra? Yeah. X, X, Y, or Z? Yeah, factor
2: this equation.
0: It would take him more than $3.54 million to risk his life to play baseball.
2: Risk his career, at least, yes.
0: Could be his life. Could be. He could throw his
2: arm, clear off, bleed out right there on the mound.
1: COVID-19 ain't no joke. If he's going
0: to – he's right now, he's, you know – quarantining in his house now they're asking him to jump on a bus with a driver he doesn't know to a city where there's you get exposed to other people it's not a good idea yeah not no a good thanks idea. well we are joined once again by our good friend dennis chu food editor of sports 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 dennis how are you sir
3: it's always a pleasure to be here i'm doing great and hope you guys are staying safe out there as well
0: well we are staying safe and in, indeed staying in our uh quarantine locations uh, Dennis, we have you yes, on here to talk about your seven feats of Yao, your good buddy Yao Ming. So <laughs> why don't you unwind a yarn for us tonight? It's
3: about? a very interesting story. So back in 2003, and if you guys can think back to them, right? All of us had flip phones. So if we are lucky enough to have a flip phone, right? Yao Ming first came over, he didn't have a cell phone. He didn't feel like he needed a cell phone because everywhere he went, uh, you know, he had people driving. He had someone with him. There was always someone that could g- get a hold of him, right? And so, and plus, um, I'm not sure if this is, like you know, the time um, he just came over, he was on a work visa. He didn't have a social security number. He didn't have any credit. So he just never really had a need for a cell phone until one day um, he'd get a call from Shaq. Before... Yao Ming came to the league. Shaq famously did this uh, TNT interview mm-hmm. uh, where you know he made some derogatory in certain people's minds uh, of you know towards the, the Asian people. So, and there was a big controversy about it. This story is about Shaq and Yao's relationship. Um, so, uh, we were sitting at lunch one day, um, and someone hangs the phone. You know, someone runs in and say, "Hey." um is Shaq on the phone. And by the way, remember the story I told you Yao spoke perfect English and he never really needed a translator and (laughs) just always had one anyhow. So he picks up the phone and starts talking to Shaq. You know, of course he has a bit of an accent, but they're capable of having a normal conversation. So they're on the phone with each other for I don't know maybe three or four minutes he gets off the phone. And I ask him hey what's the conversation about? He was and he says he just wants to talk and tell me that, you know, uh, please don't take offense in terms of what I said, um, you know, I, I was trying to be funny or I, I don't remember the exact words. So a few weeks later, <clears throat> Shaq calls back. And at this point, you know, he's he, he says to Yao, he's like, hey man, why don't you get a cell phone? Cause it took me like, you know, 15, 16 minutes just for someone to hunt you down so I can have a conversation with you. So Yao then says to someone on team says, hey, uh, I need a cell phone. Can someone give me a cell phone please? The very next day, someone on the Rockets provided him with a cell phone. I'm sure it was company phone, whatever. I still remember it, it was a black at t flip phone that didn't have any antenna. tandem. And uh, so, you know, they start talking and texting back and forth and whatnot. <clears throat> and uh, at a the time, there was this guy named Patino Mobley. He was a guard on the team, and he got the same cell oh, phone yeah. that I did. And, uh, it, it, uh, he, he thought it was the coolest thing a cell phone takes pictures. So, uh, I was like, hey man, I got the same phone as you do. So we were just taking random pictures throughout practice and whatnot, and just you know, kind of goofing off. And y'all says, hey man, how come you guys didn't give me a cell phone like that? You know, Why did I get this piece of crap? We're like, because you just asked for a normal cell phone. You didn't ask for anything fancy. We asked you what you wanted. Anyhow, point of the story is that him and Shaq starts talking more so on a regular basis. And throughout the year, they've always had a great relationship where they joke around with each other, right? I remember, the first time that Shaq and uh, Shaq and Kobe played Yao in Houston, right? Uh, there was a there's. I think the first uh, the first battle Yao actually blocked Shaq's shot. The um, the, the first thing they did uh, at the very beginning of the game.
0: Oh yeah, he blocked so, his shot. He blocked. I think it was the first three times down the court. He blocked his shot. So
3: yeah. one of the one of the uh, one of the the sports writers provided him with a picture. Right? He's like, hey man. How can uh, how can I send this to Shaq? Now he's asking his uh, like his assistant or his translator. His name was Colin. It was a white guy who spoke perfect Chinese, and he's like, "Hey, how can I send this to uh, to Shaq?" And Colin helps and sends it to Shaq. And you know they're la- like so Colin and Yao they're laughing about it. And uh, I don't know, a couple hour goes by because I'm pretty sure Shaq's pretty pissed at this point. But he was looking for pictures at some point that eventually were uh, where uh, Shaq dunked on Yao Ming. I don't think he, I'm not sure if that happened in that game, but the picture that ended up coming back was a picture of Kobe dunking on Yao Mi. And by the way, uh, <laughs> as great a greater relationship that Shaq had with Yao, Kobe had a non-existing relationship with Yao. And if, you know, I remember asking him about, you know, in terms of what he thought of Kobe, um, he just, he didn't think very much of him because the two of them, like, they they never spoke to my knowledge. So really, even, yeah, they never spoke to my knowledge. Uh, Years later, fast forward to when Yao was, uh, when he was announced that he was going to be the the Hall of Fame class, right? Shaq sent him this really sentimental, like, you know, nice text message, hey, congratulations, you know, making the Hall of Fame, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And then followed by a message which said they should really have a higher, you know, criteria for making the Hall of Fame, you know, (laughs) example, probably should play for a decade before they allow you into it. Because, you know, Yao retired after eight seasons he was so and uh you know know yeah, i was like th- by the way the two the re- one of the reasons why the two of them got along great is because they have very similar personalities they're both jokers and uh to which y'all's response to him don't worry man i'll be waiting for you see you there in six years <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> So. The two of them had great, a great relationship. The story of Yaomi actually getting a cell phone started with Shaq at his request.
2: Did so? Did you ever get Shaq's phone number?
3: I didn't. I never. I never got Shaq's phone number. But I did. I did get a to talking one time, which I thought was super cool. Was it I like, like?
2: What's going on, Dennis? Yeah. Shut the hell up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he was like, hey, what's going on, bro? He like, I think Yao Ming introduced me at his cousin. You know, I kept him bugging about talking, being able to talk to Shaq and this and that. And he mm-hmm. finally let me talk to him one time and you know, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Yao
2: Ming's first cell phone are like it. <laughs>
0: they're they're bromance, if you will.
3: Well hey Dennis, stay safe. Jed, stay- it's always a pleasure to be with you guys. Stay safe as well, and I'll talk to you guys soon. All, All right. right. Thanks. See Kevin. you later. Yeah. All right, bye.
1: So, guys, it's the year 2020. Correct. We all survived Y2K. Mm -hmm. And we were greeted in May of 2000 by the movie Battlefield Earth.
0: Oh, man. Seriously? Oh, here we go.
1: 20 years ago. That's a Revolta feature. For those of you who don't know, this movie was set in the year 3000. <laughs> where That's funny. Uh, the alien race, the cyclos, PSY, uh, probably have something to do with psychology. They've enslaved the human race. Uh, and uh, John Travolta played Turl, who was an alien, a cyclo, in charge of security operations on Earth. And uh, Kerr, which was Forrest Whitaker. Uh, and then Barry Pepper played Johnny Goodboy Tyler, who led the, the human rebellion. Uh, against the, the cyclos where they literally flew like F-16s in space. I'll have to watch it again because some of the details are a little fuzzy. I did see it in the theater, though, when it came out, and I don't know why. But what I, I it got me thinking, I wondered if Scientology had ever entered the realm of sports. Mm. Um, and so you can actually, there is a there's a whole section to Scientology.org uh, called Meet a Scientologist. And there's a, a thing where you can actually view different occupations and they have different Scientologists from a huge range uh, talking about why Scientology is great. So, uh, I mean, they've got a martial arts instructor, a competitive swimmer, a golfer, a paraglider, uh, you name it. One guy's just labeled athlete. Um, <laughs> uh, but I also discovered that in the late 80s, Uh, They entered the world of racing. In November of of 1988, there was the the GTE World Challenge uh, in Tampa. And basically, it was the uh, International Motorsports Association uh, prototype cars uh, versus Europe's um, prototypes. Um, Well, the American cars overall were better, and the Americans ended up dominating. Uh, But... the German, there was a German group that recruited Mario and Michael Andretti.
0: Hmm.
1: But when Mario arrived the in- The axis of racing. What's that? The axis
2: of racing. The Germans hired the Italians. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so when Mario arrived in Tampa, he found out that his car was covered in sponsorship logos for Dianetics. Um, which Ooh. if you don't know, Dianetics is the, the modern science of mental health uh, written by L. Ron Hubbard in, I think, the 50s. And so M- Mario shows up and he goes, the Kramer brothers from Germany were coming over. And they got these Scientology dudes down there. All of them threw on money. Uh, Dianetics was like their Bible. We still said no. Um, oh my you know, God. It's a lot of money, they said. I said, you don't understand. I'm sorry. I'll be excommunicated by the Pope if I do that. Mamma mia, we're not going to drive. So they took the stickers off.
0: Uh, Lost. Where, where was that accent from?
1: Huh? That's Mario. That's a Mario. Mario. That's a Mario. It's, it's a Mario. A, it's a Mia. <laughs> so Mario doesn't want to get excommunicated. And so he, he says, I, I'm not, I can't do this. So basically, they, they have a workaround for the race. So they moved the Dianetics branding over to another car uh, that another one of their drivers was, was going to have. And then Mario's car was actually, um, they changed the, the branding on his car to The Bridge, which is the Sy- Church of Scientology publishing wing that publishes Dianetics. But because he figured no one even knows who this is, he didn't care. So they just, they, they went ahead and did that. Um, but that was kind of the end of Mario Andretti's involvement with the Scientologists. Um, But that's your whole story. No, no, no. So throughout the late eighties, if only they uh, (laughs) Scientology, because think about like what other sports do not allow any, any religious sponsorships. Right. So racing is kind of one of their only options. And so they, they, um, They ended up uh, actually sponsoring uh, Vince Granatelli uh, for IndyCar Racing. He was actually already friends with John Travolta and Kirstie Alley. Um, but he Mr. actually. Kirstie Alley was a Scientologist. Yeah. Person. So he said uh, Bridge Publications wanted to <laughs> present one of their books, which was called Dianetics. Now, that really has nothing to do with the church. It's associated with the church, of course, but it really doesn't have anything to do with the church. If the church makes a book and they want to sell the book and they want to sell their philosophy, there's nothing in the book that says you can you need to be a Scientologist to live by the rules of the book. I could read Tom Sawyer, and it doesn't mean I'm living in the South. In other words, you can read whatever you want to read in it and take away from it whatever you want to. So he's like, please pay me this money. And, and like today's money, they're paying him like one and a half million dollars each race. So, racing is expensive, and they're also throwing parties, um, they're sponsoring everything. Uh, one of his drivers was um, Roberto Guerrero, if you remember him. In uh, 87, he had a, a run of bad luck where he, um, I, I think it was like three different races. He, the 80s, man. He wrecked and yeah, he wrecked right. in turn two, and so finally he ends up hitting a wall. And this is like the the third time he's ha- he's had a wreck in turn two. And so he's in the hospital getting checked I hit the out.
2: wall if I don't get my second nap.
1: <laughs> Vince, the team owner, gets a call, and they said that they, you know, it's people working for the publisher, the Bridge, owned by the Scientologists. And they said that they wanted to go to the hospital and they wanted to audit Roberto Guerrero. Which do you guys know about yeah. Scientology? Oh yeah, yeah. That's where you hold the
2: uh, hold the poles on the machine.
1: Yeah, and you're trying to you're trying to find your your mental block until you eventually can go clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they wanted to send some Scientologists over to the hospital to audit Roberto Guerrero because they thought that he had some kind of complex about turn two in his head. And so the the owner, Vince uh, Granatelli, is just like, no, absolutely not. We don't, you don't do this. You're not going to go talk to my driver. Like, no. Yeah, don't um, let
2: those people in.
1: Right. So he tells him that. But then the next thing you know, uh, John Travolta sends flowers to Roberto Guerrero's wife. Oh. And so finally, Roberto Guerrero, um, he's like, he's also Catholic. Um, but he's like, what you know, whatever, this is fine. I don't, he didn't really understand what it was. Uh, so he ended up agreeing to it because apparently they, they actually even sent John Travolta to his house. Um, he, John Travolta took him out for dinner, told him about auditing. And, and he was like, yeah, he was just a really nice guy. Um, but through all that Travolta ends up convincing him to go ahead with the auditing And so he said, it was the weirdest thing ever. Uh, He said, they thought they were going to take away all the bad things that happened to me because of the accident. So they were doing all these sessions. He said, in fact, they wanted my wife to do it too. Uh, And she turned them down because she said, because they said that they could take away all the negative stuff that had to do with the birth of our children. Uh, He's like, and I said, there was nothing negative. Uh, It was a very strange deal. So all this completely just sours uh, Vince Granatelli with, uh, uh, with the Scientologist, so he ends up Basically calling them up and saying, I'm done. Like I'm 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 walking away. And so like I said, it was it was about the equivalent of about one and a half million dollars per, per race, race. Per race. Yeah. And at Ew. that point there were like ten races left in the season, but he's just like, No, this is this is the the principle of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um so so they he's did like... they did try to He said uh, miss me with that Scientology. He said <laughs> yeah, miss me with that, miss me with that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so they tra- they tried it with some other they tried some other sponsorships um, but by the early 90s all that just kind of went away. But then in 2006 they, they actually started they sponsored a uh, NASCAR um, which on the uh, on the spoiler it said ignite your potential and then on the hood of the car it said Dianetics and had the volcano oh my God. on it. Uh, and Kent, Kenton, Kenton Gray was the driver, and he said, uh, his quote was, Dianetics is a book that helped me in many ways since I first read it many years ago. It helped me get better control over the obstacles I had to get through to reach goals I was passionate about. It's a great mm-hmm. honor to have a sponsor relationship that's so directly related to my making it this far. Um, but but that...
0: My words and not really. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. So... I don't know, so it's just kind of interesting. Um, But the thing you gotta keep in mind is, around the same time, a guy, uh, Morgan Shepard, he was driving the Victory in Jesus Racing Ministries car, uh, which the hood said, Racing with Jesus. And then, uh, at the, uh, at the, take the wheel. at the Daytona 500 in 2004, uh, Bobby Labonte drove the, uh, a, a car that was advertising the passion of the Christ. So <laughs> I don't honestly with that, I don't know which is weirder, a passion of the Christ NASCAR, or I think, I feel like that's weirder more than on diamond at least <laughs> for NASCAR.
0: Uh, well, at that point, it's a 20 year old book. Twenty-five-year-old book or a new, yeah, bizarro movie, yeah. Which is worse? Yeah. So which is weirder, I guess, would be the it's
2: better. All, it's all weird.
1: Yeah. So that that was kind of the end. Two thousand six is the is the last that I saw that that Scientology tried to advertise in the racing world. They just um, gave up after that. I think they gave up,
0: but. Um, this is very similar to what they did. I mean, like they have those celebrity centers where it was like, hey, if you can yeah. convert celebrities, then yeah. these will follow, right? I mean, that's what they're basically trying to do with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: and that, and that's what uh, Grant Drive Kelly, that. the owner, said. Um, uh, oh, and, and Roberto Greer kind of made that connection too. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that they essentially – like." They wanted to audit me because they wanted to be able to like have me come out of this head injury and say that I got through it with Scientology yeah um, man and and have it have me as like a celebrity success stories um, evidence yeah yeah and so so they were just like they would not stop uh, apparently um, until they finally were just like, yeah, we can't <laughs> we can't do this anymore.
2: Yeah Dude, that's wild. And, and, hey, with all the loss of income with the coronavirus, man, they might
1: try to slide right back in on that. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, they, if, uh, if the sports, if, if the other leagues are having, uh, you know, slow years, this might be Scientology's big opportunity to get into some other major sports. You might, you might see a, a Major League Baseball season sponsored by um, Scientology I think they do Super Bowl. I think they've done Super Bowl commercials. I do remember it. I think you're right. Yeah. I remember
0: a Dianetics commercial, but yeah. I don't remember what I was watching. It was either that or, you know, People's Court. Mm-hmm. So
2: I have a I have the entire uh L. Ron Hubbard collection. I celebrate his entire catalog. Do you? Yeah. What? Yeah. My my dad uh, you know, taught in the religion department for years and uh they sent all the professors a box of all L. Ron Hubbard's books. And he, he when he when he retired, we were cleaning out his office. He's like, You want these? They were still shrunk wrapping everything. I was like, Yeah, I'll take those, man. Yeah. <laughs> Don't <laughs> man. mess me with that. Yeah, yeah, no. You got yeah, Battlefield
1: Earth in there? I'm sure. I'll have to dig them out and look. Man. Um yeah. Those are expensive too. Yeah. Like they're,
2: if I mean, you they're get the hard whole collection, and like, they're nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Maybe I should put those on eBay. <laughs> and then go. I'll get, then I'll get flagged and an auditor will show up at my house.
1: I was going to say, because I think that's a big moneymaker for the church of Scientology is they, that's part of it is like when you're becoming a Scientologist, they, um, they want you spending that money. Like if you get just, I just looked it up. If you get just the beginning books package, uh, which is paperbacks? Um, it's like ten paperbacks. That's two hundred five dollars. Whoa! Just for those. Oh yeah, it's it's
2: probably ten books or more. They're all in a box and like yeah,
0: man. For sale: Dianetics books, never opened. <laughs> yeah. There's your, your six-word story. Right. <laughs> Create
2: your or start your journey today.
0: these definitely helped me out with my things
1: (laughs) yeah with the goals uh, and obstacles uh was trying to overcome um so i guess the big question is what what do you think that this lawsuit for this episode is going to cost us hey if it gets us any pub (laughs) uh, all, all publicity is good publicity right i think we could safely give scientology all the money we've earned from this podcast i think without a doubt yeah. i would be i would be willing to do that if we had to legally i would i would turn over all the money we've made from this podcast I would for sure them
0: for all our money yeah, yeah.
1: all right yeah. well we talked we talked battlefield earth okay but now it's time to talk a real sports movie what is it (laughs) so this week we talked about salute yes on amazon prime which was sort of a follow-up to uh high flying bird high flying bird Mm
3: -hmm.
1: um so this was about the 1968 olympics and the uh the black power salute uh which was tommy smith and john carlos and then uh peter norman who was uh the Australian guy, uh, who was also on the, uh, the, uh, metal podium, uh, during that. And, and even though he didn't do the black power salute, he wore a badge for the, uh, was it Olympic commission on human rights yeah. something like that. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um,
2: yeah. That I dude had that wheels. 20, 20 second flat. What was it?
1: 400 meters or 200 meters?
0: 200,
1: 200 meters. Twenty oh, yeah.
0: Yeah when they like, sh-
1: when they showed him running on uh, like he was talking about how he had never really trained on the artificial surfaces. And so when he got onto that track, you could just see him just yeah. take off. I mean, it it was wild. And none yeah. of the Americans, I mean, the Americans kind of had everything locked down. so when when this Australian guy just comes in and starts blowing everybody away, I think he seemed like he just kind of came out of nowhere for uh, for them. Uh, but the craziest win uh, stat from that
0: was he got the silver in 1968 and when the Olympics were in Sydney in 2000, his time would have been good enough for the gold medal. In right. 2000. In 2000.
2: And that's, that's insane.
0: Yeah. 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 Which is crazy to think about Then, like uh, Tommy Smith won the gold medal he would have won the gold he would have and then uh john carlos who got the bronze he would have probably medaled too like that those three would probably be on the podium would have been on the podium in 2000 as well
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean that's that's the wild thing about this because the entire um i mean they chose to make their their uh victory they chose to make a statement. Um, But because of that, that's basically all that gets talked about, not how incredible all three of their races were um, in in that one race. Right. Um, Well, yeah, because the Americans were supposed to go one, two, three. mm
2: -hmm. But then uh, the the Australian guy, didn't they didn't uh, silver and bronze
0: tie? Didn't they both run 20 seconds? Yeah, there's. I was trying to find information about this. It I was had... super close. It was like it looked like it was like a photo finish. Yeah, yeah. there is um, there that the timing wasn't accurate enough.
2: Hmm. It was like oh, it, uh-huh.
0: it looks like he passes sub twenty, but they had to round up because I guess the ac- the accuracy of the timing devices wasn't couldn't get down to like the hundredth of a second.
2: Hmm. Yeah, uh, from sense.
0: what I could to figure out. Um,
2: what was that? Mexico City, right?
0: Yeah, it was. So it was nineteen point eight three seconds was a world record time for Tommy Smith, and he let up, which was amazing too. Yeah, he had he had space and he and he threw his arms up, and then Peter Norman finished with twenty point oh six. Official time is twenty second, and John Carlos had twenty point one. And John Carlos was looking around, got passed yep yep but that's the that's the race and you know it was by all accounts one of the greatest 200 meter races ever in any olympics but it was over overshadowed and i think uh i don't use that pejoratively by what happened on the daos when tommy smith and john carlos gave the the black power salute um and I, I in the movie, I liked the run up. I liked the explanation. I liked how they talked about Harry Edwards and his mm-hmm. uh, and his um,
1: uh, uh,
0: role in all of this, and that he, they actually were going to boycott mm-hmm. the entire '68 Olympics in Mexico City. Yep, and then we were talked out of doing that, which I think was the right move. And somebody made the comment in the movie had they done that i don't think anybody would be talking about what they did later no. i don't know if anybody would have remembered that they that black Why they the the yeah. well yeah because
1: but, peter peter norman the australian guy was like well i would have had a gold medal right um yeah. but yeah. he's like basically it would have been all you know all the people who who got medals it would have been the wrong people it, it yeah. would have been it wouldn't have been a fair olympics uh because it wouldn't women, have been deserving people
0: the women's 400 i think they
1: said was mm-hmm.
0: was all three u.s running yeah they yeah.
1: dominated that yeah in the sprinting and yeah. then they had i want to say the long jump mm-hmm. um, there were quite a few others that were all uh black athletes on the u.s olympic team yeah mm-hmm. so the one thing I never noticed every time
2: I've seen that clip of them giving the salute was that they didn't have any shoes on. Mm-hmm. They just had on black socks, which was another kind of statement about mm-hmm. poverty and and uh, prejudice and everything. I'd never noticed that in all the times I'd seen that clip.
1: Yeah, and it was interesting too because it was, it was very symbolic and they had thought about it to a certain extent, but basically the entire plan only came together in like the, you know, 20 minutes before they actually went up to the, to the, um, to receive their medals. Right. And, and they then, forgot, what was it? Uh, Carlos forgot
2: his, um, forgot gloves. the gloves. Yeah. So they each, yeah.
1: So, they they had each, yeah, so if you look gloves. at and I'd never noticed that either, that right. they each have a different left arm, hand right arm. Mm-hmm. I had. Yeah. I'd heard
0: that story. They talked about that. I'd heard that story before that, yeah, they'd forgotten their gloves. And so each one of them had a different ar- uh, arm raised.
1: Yeah. And yeah. then Peter, Peter Norman, the Australian, he was raised in um, the Salvation Army. And so yep. he they gave a lot of background to, which I you know never really thought about. But in the same time period that all the civil rights movement was happening in the U.S., that inspired the um, aboriginal Right civil rights movement in Australia, and so Peter Norman was raised in the Salvation Army and had um, essentially just like I I don't understand. um, I don't understand this prejudice. I don't understand um, why why anyone would be treated differently. And so when they were talking about the um, uh, when Tommy and uh, John Carlos, were talking about the, uh, the salute. He's like, well, I want to, I want to be up there with you. So he asked, he was like, well, we got to find a badge. And so, and all three of them, there had been uh, death threats for, mm-hmm. uh, anyone who gave any kind of demonstration at the Olympics. So it was, it was kind of one of those things where apparently when they started, when they started singing the anthem and then went silent, and then That's, like yeah. the crowd went silent yeah um when they put and, their fists up
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah which
1: i wish there was audio of that i know that was the one thing that I was just like man it's cool that we've got the footage and, and I the photos i thought they said they
0: that you can hear
1: it on the audio maybe that. yeah was they not, must not have been able to get a hold of it but yeah um but yeah i mean it was it was wild and then essentially it just kind of ruined all of their um running careers they all um
2: well, they mess with the arrangements
1: man yeah Tommy and John Carlos got sent home and then um, I want to say Tommy Tommy the gold medal winner was working and had to work in a car wash yeah um, got fired from that and, and was just it, yeah it was it was uh it was wild uh, Peter Peter Norman um, when the Olympics were held in Australia he was not invited to the, the Sydney Olympics even though he was um, Their most like famous Their most famous athlete. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he still held the record. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you're, you're, uh, by an Australian. So. so that
1: that to me is wild to think about because we've talked about this before on the podcast. But when you talk about um, kind of the changing opinion of like Martin Luther King and just the civil rights movement in general, that I think when we were looking at it, it was like. Only ever had like a thirty percent approval yeah. no, it, uh, and, and among among 70, among white.
0: Yeah, it's 60, Americans. Six between sixty and seventy percent agree with the sentiment, but only thirty percent ever agree with the actual presentation of that. Right. Sentiment. Yeah. Yes, I think that this is a problem. However, I think there was a better, which is exactly what Larry Quested said mm-hmm. in his interview if. You remember him? He was the uh, only white member mm-hmm. of the team of the U.S. track and field team, and he was a 400 meter runner. He actually, I think, in '64, he placed sixth. It was either '64 or '72. He placed sixth in the in the 400 meter, and then he was the alternate on the 4 by 400 relay team. And he yeah. made comment earlier that. When the 4x400 team came up, uh, he was supposed to be the first alternate, but the other members of the team said we're running an all-black relay. So, Larry, you're out. In the movie, he then went on to make the comment, so I know what prejudice feels like. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, this is, this is really telling. Like he has an opportunity to say, Oh, this is what somebody feels every day. Like this was a moment where I can finally like understand I've been held out because of my color. Mm -hmm. But then he goes on to talk about how he feels like this was the wrong thing for them to do when, when they, when they actually win their medals and they go up there for the 200 meters and Carlos and, uh, Smith, uh, show their protest mm-hmm. do, their protest is just a sign mm-hmm. uh, that he was aghast i mean he said it would it made him sick i actually found an article <laughs> or an interview from him in 2018 where he's talking about it again he said he was a uh, about 15 rows up and his quote was it was horrible an embarrassment for everybody
1: wow wow really yeah i mean that part. that is wild
0: goes on to say in 2015 so this is seven years after that and now we're looking at almost 50 years after i find it very strange a very strange thing i was the only white sprinter and i thought they would have sought me out they might find out there was a difference of opinion of what was going on for some reason nobody ever did i was the wrong color huh and I mean that when he, when he made those other comments in the movie, I was like, I have to find out who this guy is. I have to find out more about him. I have to find out what he's doing now and what he meant mm-hmm. when he was on that movie when he was interviewed.
1: his and, comments definitely stood out for sure oh yeah well and and that's that's what I think I mean you know the fact that even even into the two thousands all of these all of all three of these guys were still. Being snubbed until, um, what was the, the, the one of the, the university put up a uh, uh, sculpture of there? Yeah, but that's where Harry
0: Edwards teaches.
1: Okay, um, but yeah, I mean, like you, you look at like even even into the year two thousand, if when you're not inviting Peter Norman to the Olympics <laughs> that are being held in Australia, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean. That that's that's what to me is so wild because you look at like I said with um, someone like Martin Luther King. Um, time feels
0: that time time yeah our white minds can get around that and start to uh, soften the edge mm-hmm. of the message and the radical nature in which he went about his message. Yep, and we can we as white people can accept it and then we can we can purify it yeah we, we but can. not this
1: but not this yeah that's that's what i thought was so wild about it that it that it's it, it, even though it's such an iconic photo those edges hadn't been sanded off even into the 2000s and even um even for um the guy you were just talking about who was on their team who was there with them who's had 50 years to think about this and, right. and basically it does not get it Right. yeah
0: his his point I mean I it's it's irate it makes me irate it makes me so frustrated to hear this that you know when 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 an oppressed so when I when an oppressed people are telling you they're oppressed the your response should not be my response should not be sure but you're telling me the wrong way yeah. (laughs) yeah right Right. I don't understand that. Right. If someone's drowning, I'm not like, well, you're giving me the wrong signals. So I Mm -hmm. don't know. You help them. You listen to them. You figure out what the problem is. Uh, You, you know, I don't, I don't understand this. I I think it's just like the, the fragility of this guy. I, I don't. I don't get it. And what his idea, and I'm t- going to talk about his 2015 interview, like when he says they might find out there was a difference of opinion. Well, of course there's a difference of, an op- of opinion. You're from Livingston, Montana. You ran for Stanford, and you're a white man in 1968. Right. You really have a different opinion about what is going on than these two black athletes that are going to Mexico City which is rioting right now, you know, in 1968, when they were going, there was mm-hmm. riots outside.
1: Oh yeah, well, not, not just riots, the um, hundreds of people dead, hundreds of, uh, so when students protested right before the, it was like 10 days before the Olympics and these students protested, and the Mexican government afterwards, I think said there were like 20 people killed and now the estimates are like three or four hundred people. So all that happened just days before yeah, these athletes uh, well, it was like right at right before all the athletes started arriving uh, before the Olympics began. And, and yeah yeah, so I mean, so that that to me is just like and all he- of that in perspective with what they chose to do when they received the medals was just, yeah, it's pretty unreal.
0: It's heroic. And I don't know how someone can I, I don't I have a hard time seeing how someone can see it any other way
2: yeah well particularly how uh, he talked about how the civil rights movement in the United States was the model for the civil rights movement in Australia which oh, I was I was ignorant to mm-hmm. uh, in in some respects um, that yeah that so different countries whether south africa or australia or wherever around the world are kind of looking to what's happening in the united states whether it's martin luther king or malcolm x or medgar evers or angela davis any of these people um and they recognize it and it helps fuel the movement in those countries yet you still have a large portion of the population here that witnessed those movements and like Mm. snoop says 50 years later, still don't get it. Right.
0: Yeah, and they say things like, look, I never saw color. Right. Athletes were athletes is another thing he says. And they are in here. Athletes were athletes. Like, I never saw their color. I wasn't worried about their color. Yes, Larry, that's your privilege <laughs> as a white man. Before, right. Or you don't have to think about it. I don't have to think about it. I'm represented. Everywhere right. I go, I'm represented. These men were not, and they were they were bringing that to our attention and we shouldn't try and shut them up. Just I mean like, he,
1: he, to be fair you said he grew up in Montana
0: living and went to Stanford. Yeah. Okay,
1: so he was a minority. There are way more bison in Montana than people. <laughs> Elk. Yeah. So um, he knows he knows what it's like. Yeah. Well, it, it is
2: amazing that you can be on the front row mm-hmm. in the in the center of it and still it falls on deaf ears. Yeah. yeah. That's wild to me. I mean, you can be literally watching it unfold in front of you and you still don't get it. And mm-hmm. I think it's the same. I mean, it's a parallel with the NFL too, with all this, uh, all this Kaepernick stuff that we've talked about mm-hmm. before, you know, and you heard similar statements, especially from
1: ownership that in the same kind of vein, you know? Or living in, uh, the, pandemic now and yes. just choosing to ignore that yes this was created in a lab by bill gates right and that all these blue angels flyovers are just the chemtrails that are going to <laughs> they're stage one <laughs> and when we all get the vaccine that's going to activate stage two and and that's and it
0: is the, yeah, the 5g Right. That's, yeah, that's, that's a 5G tower. Yeah, get the, get,
1: get the Blue Angel chemtrails, add the vaccine, turn on the 5G towers, and yeah, we're zombies.
0: So you know, the, the most ironic thing to me is not anything Rowdy just said. With uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Colin Kaepernick specifically, the fact that he was sitting on the bench, nobody noticed, somebody noticed, then he went out and talked to, I just blanked on his name, Nate something who was a former Marine, mm-hmm. I believe. Yes, yeah. They had a conversation, and the Nate understood where he was coming from. Colin understood where he was coming from, and they came to a conclusion that said, this is how you can do it. You can be more respectful to my people specifically, but you can still get your message across. And you know, all of that conversation happened, and then it was like all of the people that he thought he was offend, that people thought Colin Kaepernick was offending, uh, said, for the most part, through Nate, "This is fine. Do it this way." Yeah. But he was willing. Colin Kaepernick was willing to have that conversation and come to some sort of uh, conclusion. Right. But other people, like Larry, Quest said, I do not like this guy. If you haven't picked up on that, <laughs> <laughs> will not even have the conversation to say where he's just like it's disgusting. It overshadows the entire <laughs> athletic uh,
1: event. Like, yeah. yeah, because That's kind he, of the point. Literally, yeah. Well, literally and I, and I think that the 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 point that. Um, and he made it several times. Peter Norman, the Australian guy that was up there with them, um, made the point that this was their, this was for all three of them. This was their moment to kind of bask in the glory, like their performance blew everybody away. So this was their, this was their moment. They'd been training basically their whole lives for this. And they chose to, they knew that it was going to blow up in their face but they still chose to do it so it's like right. that that to me it's like yeah they didn't it, take the michael jordan or the lebron james approach to it yeah so it's you can't you can't say that it's selfish it's not I mean, like yeah, yeah we're still talking about them years later um i love but, that but book. it, it that
0: quote by peter norman when he said like you know why we train our whole lives for this like so we can get up there why why do we want to be up there so the whole world would look at mm-hmm. it, and
1: mm-hmm. it was like, yes exactly Yep. And they
0: took that moment to think about something other than themselves.
1: That, right. that sounds like communism. Think about other people. That's <laughs> communism.
0: <laughs>
2: no, uh, I liked it. I liked the movie. It was a little distracting to me, the old format.
0: Yeah, it's and, like a 4 by 3
2: And a little low budget. But I did find out that it was uh, Norman's yeah. nephew mm-hmm. that made the film. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of other films about Norman.
0: Too. really
2: yeah
0: oh so, i was uh i was real bummed to hear that he he died
2: yeah, yeah. i didn't realize he was going to be dead either until yeah, yeah spoiler late alert in, late, yeah sorry late in the uh him he
0: knows late
2: in the uh movie
0: <laughs> yeah it was a good movie it was a good flick it's it, was, yeah. good. No, it, it was. was i think it was well put together i mean it was definitely lower budget but it was well put together and told yeah. a yeah cohesive story
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and like I said, I think if you watched High Flying Bird, you got to see Harry Edwards at the end of this, uh, at the end of that movie. And uh, I think it was a good it was interesting watching the two of them together and just getting a little Mm -hmm. bit of of background there. So um, so if you want to watch it, if you haven't seen it yet, it's free on Prime if you pay for Prime. (laughs) Um, Speaking of, we had a a movie request from my Uncle Joe dear uncle joe who said hello boys here we are in may and there's no indy 500 um so he looked through amazon prime and he found the 1949 mickey rooney movie the big wheel on amazon prime um i think it would be interesting we have not watched any old movies it's true um, or racing movies or mickey rooney movies or old racing mickey rooney movies um, Exactly. So this, old this, Mickey Rooney racing movies. Yeah. So this is this is like the center of that Venn diagram. So this is this is kind of a sweet spot for us, and we that, live in Indiana. That that is true, and it is it is weird that it's we're we're halfway through May, and you're not seeing the racing stuff. You're not any hearing about stuff. any, yeah. any, any racing stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's even, uh, if you, yeah. even if you're not into racing, I've only been uh, I've only been once to the 500. Um, so, but even if you're not into racing, it's just everywhere in Indianapolis. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be kind of cool to see Indy uh, back in the forties as well. So uh, thanks, uncle Joe. We yeah. will check that out. The big wheel free on Amazon prime. If you pay wheel. for prime,
0: free if you pay for it nice <laughs> all right so we're done we're wrapping this up i think let's
1: do it let's wrap it up
0: that's it we did it we did sports as always i want to thank the minister of sound mikey i think i skipped i think my track just skipped <laughs> that was weird i don't know i gotta brush off the cd <laughs> Dead Belly Music, uh, the Commissioner, Brandon Casburn, uh, Food Editor, Janice Chu, and the Honorary Ball Boy this week is... Got two of them. The uh, It was the uh, minister's birthday
2: as of recording, and tomorrow our uh, buddy out in PDX land, Phil, is his birthday. So happy birthday, Ball Boys.
0: Happy birthday, Ball Boys. Want to throw one one more on there? Uh, our buddy Pete out in Los That's States. right. Well, and uh, Vegas P is as his birthday today as well. Yep. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email us at sports, sports, sports pod with any questions, headlines, or birthdays you want to discuss. <laughs> and don't forget to rate us and subscribe. Hit me with that. New episodes will be there every Thursday where we will ask, how about some sports? How about it? Yeah.